1: An invitation to trade in a notepad for an air pack and boots. Let people feel, experience kind of the the challenges of our job. Politicians and journalists.
0: I'm sweaty already.
1: Get down on their hands and knees.
0: I am getting too old for this.
1: For an introduction to firefighting.
0: Understanding what they go through and how important it is.
1: This week on Open Record, come along for Fire Ops 101. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson. We are investigative reporters breaking down the big stories, what it took to get them, taking you behind the scenes. It's the stuff we couldn't tell you on TV. I'm Brian Poulsen, and I'm joined again this week by Open Records executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah.
0: Hello. You know,
1: last time I called you senior executive producer. This <laughs> time you lost the senior. Apparently. Wah, wah. I don't know. We're also joined this week by uh, someone who is making her Open Record debut. It is Fox 6's Madeline O'Neill. Hey, Madeline.
2: Thanks Maddie. for having me. Hi.
1: Yeah. Thanks for being here. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, June 28th for release on Thursday, July 7th. And as we record, Maddie, you are preparing to air a couple of stories about firefighting in Wisconsin. And by the time the podcast is published, both these stories will already be available for viewing at FoxXNow.com, the FoxX Milwaukee YouTube channel. But these stories started with an invitation. Tell me a little bit about how this came about and why you decided to accept the invitation. Right.
2: Well, Sarah was nice enough to invite me and uh, my photojournalist, Colin, to go on this um, day of training. Right. So basically, um, people who aren't firefighters doing a whole lot of things that they're not used to. Especially me. I'm not used to going into you know simulated burning buildings and pulling dummies out and and stuff like that. So um, it was an invitation. Really. Um, The fire uh, the fire union in the state will invite politicians, leaders from around the state, and journalists too to do this. Usually, they do it every three to four years but uh the pandemic threw a wrench in this so this was really the first one in a while um so we got to go and um you know usually when we're doing stories we're kind of you know behind the scenes, right? Not participating. So this was a really interesting thing to actually be going into this, doing a story, but also doing this firefighter training at the same time.
0: So why, you know, you talked about how, you know, you're the ones covering it, or maybe the politicians are the ones talking about the importance of fire alarms or smoke detectors. So why kind of do you think that some of this was targeted more toward those elected officials and the media? Well, I think what it is, is um, firefighters,
2: you know, They will go to politicians or fire departments will, leaders, mayors, you know, whether, you know, local level, state level, um, to try to get these resources. But I think that, you know, from their point of view, they want to bring in politicians so they can learn why the fire departments are asking for these resources. Right. So, you know, we've heard for years and years that fire departments are short staffed. So I think they just want to bring politicians in and be like, hey, we don't want money, you know, just for fun. We want it to to keep, you know, trying to um, do our jobs and save lives.
1: So this is the the invitation specifically geared toward elected officials and mm-hmm. the media because those are the ones who are either covering some of these issues of mm-hmm. resources and other things or the ones who are making those decisions. They want to give you that sort of immersion in yeah. a little bit of a sort of a taste of a day in the life of a firefighter.
2: Exactly, because, you know, it's one thing to think about things in, in a way, but it's another thing to experience them and kind of have that other layer of, of understanding.
0: Well, and I think we've done, a, you know, we've done some stories where we get to go to the training and cover it, but not actually be in it. I mean, we had to give, you know, the group that was putting this on, we had to give them Maddie and Collins' shoe size, mm-hmm. you know, uh, t-shirt size. I mean, all the different measurements so that you know, this wasn't just them standing there with a the camera and ready to interview someone. I mean, they, you'll, you saw in the video, it's, you know, they had the masks on, the helmets, you know, the jackets, the boots, everything. So It certainly was a different type of experience. I didn't know what I was getting myself into.
2: You know, when you signed me up, then I got this email like, hey, we need your shoe size and your shirt size, et cetera. I'm like, oh gosh, this is going to be more than I expected. Yeah. (laughs) In a good way,
1: though. Yeah. Right. So, had you ever, do you have any connections to the fire service? Do you have family members who are firefighters? That's a great question. No, No.
2: not at all. But I've done so many stories with fire departments over the years, and it's just something to kind of gravitate towards. So, this was really Mm -hmm. a cool opportunity. Okay.
1: So, you'd never been through any of this before. You've seen Mm -hmm. firefighters in action, obviously, in stories. You've seen training, probably. What was it like? What did you guys do? Tell tell take us through Fire Ops one on one. What did you do? How did it go? And, and 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 you know, maybe what surprised you?
2: So we got there much earlier than I'm even used to waking up, working the night shift. Um so we get there and you know, there's a little opening, and then you, you know, we really got right to it. Just, you know, they took our vitals, made sure everything was good there, got us um dressed in this gear, which, you know, you hear it's heavy, you put it on, and you're like, this is another Maddie on top of me, you know, right now yeah. because it's just so much weight. And then um it was you know, really right into it, they would, you know, give you a little bit of briefing at each, um, You know, station. I guess, and there were four different scenarios. And what what were
1: those four stations? Yeah.
2: Okay. So the first one we did was like a search and rescue, and I think that was the most physically difficult because they simulated this like burning building. Obviously, thought flames, I couldn't really do that safely. But um, you know, you'd go in with your team, and you'd have to try in in the total darkness, right? Mm -hmm. Wearing this oxygen mask and oxygen tank, which is also really heavy, and something I just didn't think about.
1: Is that Mm -hmm. like strapped to your back? Yeah, strapped to your back,
2: and then it's and the goggles too, and the air mask you're wearing. It's like it really cuts off your vision too, so it's just this extreme claustrophobia, and it's like. But you're and you're down
1: on your, you're down on the ground. Yeah, eventually, yeah, yeah you get back. this on you, okay. and then you're like right. crawling,
2: and you're like, I was behind a state rep, and I'm glad she was in front of me so I could just kind of follow her. But I'm like carrying this pick, pickaxe as I'm like crawling on the ground and we're trying to locate, um, you know, a, a body, which was of course a dummy, and um, they teach you how to keep your hand on the wall to kind of know where you're going. You have to kind of, like, go all around the building and do this check. You're and
1: Feeling your way. Yeah, really, you just feeling bearings. your way through. You yeah. couldn't see where
2: you um, were you going? could see, like, a little bit, but not a ton. And they would have these, like... Oh, I don't know what it's called, but like technology where you can uh, like infrared so you could see um, through this device. We didn't always have the device. And bless Colin's heart, too, because he's following us with the camera. He's not wearing all yeah. the gear, but he's like trying yeah. to get all of this as well. And, um, you know, you're in there for just honestly, it's probably a few minutes, but it felt so long because I'm like, mm-hmm. I can hear myself breathing and I don't feel like I'm getting enough oxygen. And you're you know, it's just something you're you're not used to. So that was the first one um i'm trying to think of the and it was different orders for everyone right because we were broken up in different groups but then another one was like a simulated um ems emergency medical services response where they had this really realistic dummy that i didn't know even existed that could have you know you could get its heart rate and try to you know it would its heart would stop beating and you'd have to like do things to make it um bring it back to life essentially and um everything was moving really fast so like not only was it like you know, the first search and rescue physically demanding, but with the EMS especially, it was like mentally and almost emotionally draining because they they, they make it as real as, as they can. So mm-hmm. they're trying to like put you in that mindset. Um, and then so that was two of them. Another one, oh, this was a hard one, too, was... Um, they'd want us to to get the fire hose and get it up a few stories and man, fire hose, everything's That's heavy. Demanding. I guess. That's yeah. my main like, I guess lesson. <laughs> Everything is so heavy. Um, so we only had, I think it was three of us to get this hose up the stairs and get it to, you know, where you need to, to extinguish the flames. And I got to do that. And that was cool. Um, but usually they say they would want at least four people for that. I was I was hearing from, I believe it was Sheboygan Fire Department, they say they're so short-staffed, they usually only have like two people on staff who can pull that hose up. So I was thinking like, oh, it's we have three of us, and it was really difficult. So that was one of them. And, um, oh, another one was car extrications, which here in Milwaukee, I'm sure you've talked about this a lot, reckless driving. I mean, mm-hmm. the fire department, yeah. such a big issue with firefighters. Um, part of their job is to go and get people out of these cars, and it's so difficult because it's, cars can be just so damaged and it's always different. And you can train people how to like pry open doors and, you know, do everything to, you know, get the battery out. So you're not at risk with that, et cetera. But each one is just like a different kind of puzzle. I guess you have to go and figure out. Depending on the
1: way the car has been Uh, crushed or smashed. Exactly.
2: And then of course you're, you know, there's people in there who are understandably probably freaking out because they're in this terrible car crash and you have to try to calm them down. Um, But one of the most interesting things, was uh, firefighters talking about how they can't even recreate how damaged cars get during car accidents. Like, they try, they would drop this huge cylinder from, like, six stories onto a car, and it wouldn't even come close to getting it as damaged as you do in a crash. Mm-hmm. So that that was really eye-opening. So they
1: can't go 119 miles an hour, smash into a yeah. tree, yeah. and then, you know... Right. Which is a real thing. I mean, it yeah. yeah. sounds absurd, no, but that's no, actually right. happening all the time. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Trees are deadly. They were talking about that, especially, like, you run into trees, tree, it just
0: destroys a car, and yeah. So aside from the everything's heavy yeah and yeah. and you know and then just some of the um kind of like you said like the eye-opening things like we were doing this with four people in this other department yeah too you know was there anything else when you walked out of there and you were you know I know that the, in the stories you do a little bit of reflecting you know mm-hmm. and and had some time to think about it um you know I have to say what surprised you but you know like what mm. did you kind of walk away going oh wow you know it's yeah. just kind of a a different appreciation or a different knowledge of That's something? That's a really
2: great question. Um, I think, like we talked about, I think just kind of like the emotional weight that a lot of these things carry and talking to a lot of these um, firefighters and emergency responders who you know a lot of them volunteered they took time out of their day out of their work schedule to come and do this and put it on and you know these people aren't in this business for the money they're in it because they are passionate about it and i think almost everyone i talked to that just really kind of um, rang through about how much they really care about this job and you know like I said, it's not something you're getting into to be like rich and famous. It's like they they want to save lives. Well,
0: and I think too, is that something else that's that I'm kind of learning about more is that, you know, there are firefighters that work full-time as firefighters. Yeah. There are a lot of firefighters who are volunteer firefighters yeah. who also have a full-time job, yeah. you know, in some of these departments that aren't fully staffed all the time. Right. So that's another thing where, you know, you and I had kind of talked about some of the stories maybe that could be you know going mm-hmm. out there like things to think about right um but you came back and talked about short staffing which yeah. i think a lot of the departments are seeing across the board and so I, yeah so then like what kind of stories you know what did we you know you landed on two mm-hmm. i'm sure there were probably more you yeah. know that we could have done but like you know talk through that process
2: yeah you know because like you said we went into this um without a, a definite story in mind but just kind of Ideas, like you said. And I think the staffing was on my mind just because it's something we've been covering for years. Right. But also, I think what I came away with was was the mental health aspect as well. I think those were the two that kind of seemed the most clear after doing this. But you're talking about these volunteer firefighters and that's something, you know, for years and years, that was kind of the the way fire departments worked. A lot of them, especially in rural areas, relied on volunteer firefighters. And now that model is just, just has to shift with, you know, there's just less and less people that are able to volunteer who have full-time jobs. They can't also, you know, be a firefighter. And um, it's just an interesting look at how the dynamic is changing and how Um, firefighters across the state are trying to grapple with that and talk to politicians and figure out, hey, how do we shift from this volunteer model where we aren't paying people to, you know, keeping up the staffing, but that's going to Obviously, take more money to pay these people. Mm -hmm.
1: Obviously, you end up in those rural communities with response times being an issue because Mm -hmm. there are people who are working as volunteers and have to drive all the way into the station and then gear up and then head out. And if you've got someone who's there, staff full time, obviously, responses are quicker. But there's always that budget balance. How it, what community can afford a full-time uh, fire department uh, yep. if it only has so many of these kinds of mm-hmm. calls at any given time. What I found interesting about this is you said it was the the Firefighters Union that puts this on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they want to have that sort of impact. They want mm-hmm. to get the message out to yeah. the decision makers and the people who cover those decision makers of, of what it's like and why it's important. I, I actually step back and I almost imagined like, Do other departments think like, you know, does DPW have like one of these like, you know, come be a, a, you know, a sanitation worker? (laughs) I mean, I think it would be because I think there's a lot that probably goes into that that we have no idea what it's like, you know, to be out there in the middle of traffic doing this, that or the other thing or Mm -hmm. filling potholes. Um, But so in some ways, this is a great marketing tool for the fire department. Did you get any sense? You said they do this every few years, except the pandemic got in the way of that does it have an impact? Did they did you talk to anyone? I mean, do they seem to think that this works? I mean, does this help them come budget time when they go, hmm. hey, remember, uh, you know, uh, Mayor so and so when we you know spent a weekend yeah. putting you through that uh, exercise? Now we need some more resources. Does it pay off?
2: You know, I'm not sure in the past, but I mean, this part of my story was, you know, they were lobbying for, um, sh- you know, this the shared revenue bill, which would add give more money to municipalities across the state to fund um, fire departments, not just fire departments, but that would be one part of it. So that actually, you know, passed between the time we did this fire ops training and the time the story is going to air. Um, but obviously there's still other things they want. But I think, you know, you know, talking to these politicians, they say that this is something they're going to keep in mind. So I think that's something we just kind of have to keep track of and see. If, if they nothing do. else,
1: I imagine it builds relationships. Yeah. When it comes mm-hmm. time to yeah. say, hey, you, you want to cut us back to three on a truck instead of mm-hmm. four, remember how hard it was to haul yeah. that hose We need those people. Right. Um, Yeah. I I suppose that relationship probably helps.
2: Yeah. Because it's one thing to hear. We need more firefighters and it's another to think back in your head and be like, oh yeah, like I have this physical memory
0: of like trying to do these, these things without enough people. Mm -hmm. And then one, you know, so the, that part of it is the one of the short staffing and dealing with some of those challenges. Um, The second story, as you mentioned, is Mm -hmm. about mental health. And so I think, can you just kind of talk through You know, what you found out as Mm -hmm. far as the mental health goes and then kind of just some of the the latest legislation that's gone through that has helped firefighters deal with some of those issues. Yeah. So talking with the president of the Professional
2: Firefighters, Wisconsin, the State Union, um, he talked about how firefighters actually die by suicide more than they do on the job. And we think of firefighting as as dangerous because rightfully so. It is a dangerous job. But, you know, learning more, or dying from their own hands, I think kind of puts it in in perspective and um it is a hard job i mean you're seeing things that no one else sees right i mean like during this fire ops training we couldn't actually see what they see because that just you know wouldn't be safe just Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, seeing people in car crashes and um, responding to all these emergencies and fires, I mean, it's traumatic. And they, they talked about how it's not just like one call always, but it's this cumulative effect of call after call mm-hmm. after call just piles on and it gets tough. And they just talked about the importance of having resources and actually talking about mental health, because I think in so many fields and in so many aspects of life, you know, people just didn't really speak about mental health or seek out you know, resources until more recently. And I think, you know, in the fire industry too, um, the tide is turning. We talked with uh, PFFW about how they have a peer support group that's act more active than ever, you know, trying to help, firefighters and emergency responders with kind of that heavy weight they carry.
1: I got to imagine in that field in particular, there may be, and maybe some of this is old school, maybe Mm -hmm. it's changing, but there's that sense of you've got to be tough. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, none none of this uh, affects me. Um, You go and you see the worst of humanity or people at their very worst moments. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to brush that aside because you're a tough firefighter. Does that play into like, maybe you don't feel like you can go to anyone with how you're feeling or how you're struggling because you're supposed to be, you know, a tough guy,
2: I think for a while it did. And it probably still does for some people, but you know, I did get that, that sense from talking with people that it was, well, you knew what you're getting yourself into. You just kind of got to buckle up and deal with this. But I I think as mental health conversations become less taboo, that's, you know, kind of changing things too, within the the industry.
1: I know we often think of firefighters and think that they're going in and fighting fires, but so Mm -hmm. much of what Mm -hmm. they do is responding to car accidents. And, and in these more recent days, You know, I think a Milwaukee fire department and and a lot of others, they're responding to overdoses constantly. So you're Mm -hmm. seeing people again in also in their worst moments. Mm -hmm. But those are often, you know, situations where if you get there in time, maybe Narcan can save the day, but a lot of times Mm -hmm. simply too late. So they do definitely see some really dark things. Mm -hmm. And then you have to leave there and go home and go on with your life like everybody else.
2: Yeah. Talking with the paramedic, he said something like, you know, we're still human. We get feelings. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a great point you bring up, too, is. You know, a lot of times they're meeting people on their worst days. But I've heard from a lot of firefighters, too, that that's something they like about their job is because they can help
0: someone on their worst day. What about, and then I, I don't want to misspeak, and so mm-hmm. you'll have to correct me if I'm sure. not right. i the the There was something signed, and was it for workman's comp or with the yeah. mental health
2: stuff? So that was a bill in Wisconsin recently, and I forget the year, but it was it was basically just to make um, it mental health resources more accessible to firefighters. Um, and they, the PFFW, Professional Firefighters Wisconsin, now say that they're working toward um, making that bill expand to all emergency responders as well, not just firefighters. So that's,
1: EMS workers, yeah. Paramedics, yeah, things like exactly. that. Yeah. So this is, you think of firefighters getting hurt and needing workers' compensation. Mm-hmm. You think of a physical injury. Right. right. But this deals with some of that mental health stuff as well, mm-hmm. the PTSD mm-hmm. and things like that.
2: And um, what was difficult before this bill was that firefighters would have to prove that they experienced something above and beyond what a normal firefighter would Mm -hmm. experience on the job.
0: But you got to think like a normal firefighter experience is just
2: very traumatic. Right. So So how do you
0: you make your your challenge bigger, worse or, you know, different? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay.
1: So you you had your experience in in boot camp here, Fire Ops 101. Mm -hmm. Are you leaving us to become a firefighter?
2: I was sore for like two weeks after. You know, I thought I was in okay shape, but man, I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with uh, reporting for now, but who knows?
1: (laughs) I'm still going back to that thing you said about how it's like, at, like putting on another another yeah, yeah i mean that's it really it's a does, lot matter. it's a lot of gear it's, i think it's a one lot of her
0: one of her one of her sound bites was like i'm used to holding the weight of a microphone yeah. and not this you know <laughs> it's a lot heavier 40 And pounds. you know it's yeah. funny
2: sometimes when i'm doing interviews holding a microphone out my arm will hurt after that <laughs>
0: so <laughs> this like having a pickaxe that was yeah. another level don't yeah. tell
1: them they won't feel bad
0: yeah right. no <laughs> i know absolutely
1: not all right well that's a good time for us to go off the record this is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared, but we have Sarah Smith here to ask us a question for which she's prepared. All right, we sure have. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, any, miny, mo. Let's go like this. Um, what is an underrated human experience? So here are the things I wrote down: crawling into clean sheets. That's literally what I was just thinking. So good. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> so good. Um, crawling into clean sheets after you've showered because oh, you know, even there's better. that, there's you're that right. almost guilt feeling yeah. you're foiling like, sheets dirty. if you have yeah. Yeah, after fighting, a day oh, of oh,
2: firefighter yeah. training when That's you finally st- showered oh, again.
0: So good. Uh, <laughs> the other one I wrote down was the first knife into a jar of peanut butter. Mm. <laughs> like cutting through These or like are, margarine or, or something. Or spoon. Yeah. Well, I mean. Have you ever used a spoon as like the back of a spoon to spread? No, Maybe your
1: knives are dirty. <laughs> no. Yeah, you no. gotta get creative uh, with utensils. Do your yeah. dishes, get some mines. My- <laughs> <I> <laughs> no,
0: um, okay, so other ones things <laughs> that you really enjoy mm. that are I think about things
1: this. that are sort of just that you, I mean, for me, like, I, I'll tell you what it is. it is it's the first sip of warm coffee on my front porch on right. a morning where I don't have anywhere to be, yeah, at least not right away. I sit back, I sip that coffee on it and that is Like I don't magic. know, and if
0: the weather is a little crisp, like the air's yeah, a little crisp yeah, and that yeah. coffee almost like coats the inside of your yes. stomach. And you get so- the smell of it. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. I think I what I I thought about
2: almost right away was like just walking into a bookshop and like smelling all the books and knowing mm, I can yes. spend as much time here as I want and yes. I can get all the books I want yep.
1: Now do you mean like little like independent yes. bookshops? Yeah. I love whenever yeah. I go to a like new Barnes city
2: I like Barnes and Noble too, okay. don't get me wrong right. but I like to go to like the little bookshops whenever I'm in a, in a different city just to explore That's and, awesome, and, and they're always... always
0: so cute Oh I know, like, just, and people that yeah.
2: work there are almost always great and mm-hmm. I get great book recommendations and yeah, that's probably one of mine.
1: Kale, I, I think I, I have one in mind that I think you might like, but I want to hear what you have to say what, what what's on your mind? What's your well? What's my your first initial underrated? thought was when you wake up and you think you have to go to work, but oh, then yeah. it's the weekend. It is. I will tell you. When I was growing up, I had uh, peanuts sheets, and it was there was the little uh like the little talk the thought bubble or whatever oh, yeah. Charlie Brown, uh-huh. and it said happiness is dot dot dot, and happiness is what uh, happiness is waking up and realizing you still have two yes. hours of sleep. So good. I just realized the best one. Peeling off all of the protective coatings from new oh, pieces of technology. You're
0: right.
2: <laughs> Why is it so satisfying?
1: That film, oh, so good. It is. Is it, do you ever have anxiety about pulling that film off? Like, it's not quite ready. I need uh, to, right, yeah. to what, yeah. it. what do you mean, ready? It's ready <laughs> when you get it. <laughs> what I mean is, like, no, that, that it sense still no. like, though,
0: like, Should it still be here? <laughs> as soon as you take it off, though, it's. That's it. You, yeah. Now, Yes, you've Doesn't spoiled it
1: for all time because there's dust and there could be scratches. Like Until you remove that, it's perfect. And I always fear the mm. moment I remove it, what if I drop it now or something I, happens? When we there? got our new phones here at the station, I was going around and peeling Did off Did you get to everyone's... do all of them? Well, that, I, wasn't <laughs> well I wasn't asked to. <laughs> I wasn't asked to. You just
0: took, uh, took Brian, charge. Hand, hand that to me. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll uh, take
1: that. The other one that I thought you might say, and I, I don't because I know you love camping. Is for me, the moment that the tent is set up Mm -hmm. and that first time you kind of like just step inside and lay down on whatever mattress you have there and you just know you're camping and the weekend is beginning or whatever it might be. To me, that's a that's a phenomenal moment. I love that moment. I want to be in that moment right now. (laughs) Yeah, I would. I would. I'm sure many people listening to this will have just gotten back from that moment because this will be right after the Fourth of July weekend. But um, long summer to go. Uh, Maddie thank you so much for being here oh, on the podcast for and fun. we'll have to have you back anytime you've got a, a story that you want to share with us Absolutely. we'd love to have you on if you have a topic you would like us to discuss in open, on open record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. And as always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our executive producer, Sarah Smith. Senior executive producer. Senior executive producer, <laughs> Sarah it twisted, Smith. That's Brian. <laughs> right. Our editor, Dave Machuda, who has to deal with all of our mess-ups. And chief photographer, manning the video switcher, Kale Zimney. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week.